Yo, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to Diamond Talk. Today, we are ranking the best third baseman in the major league. And, yo, spoiler alert, it's probably going to be a pretty active episode. We we disagree pretty heavily on a lot of shit today. So, that's usually good. That, that makes it interesting. But before we get started on that, man, we're here with Rob and Nick. How you guys doing? Yo, what's going on, guys? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Yeah, definitely a lot of disagreement on the third base list. The most disagreement we've had all year so far. So we're definitely in for a good episode and definitely in to cover some big news in the baseball world, too. I am hyped for this episode. The big news we got to not break, but talk about. And then, yes, this list is controversial as fuck. I I woke up putting on the Rockies uniform and stuff just because, you know, old man Arenado going down the list. But then my old favorite team got some heat thrown at him. And Daniel woke up with violence on his mind this morning. So we're about to talk about it. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And before we get started, bro, we got trivia sponsored by I don't give a fuck entertainment. I'm just kidding. That's not a real thing, bro. We just got to put things out there. But our trivia question for today is how many catchers hit 300 or more home runs? The options are A2 or the options are two catchers, three catchers, four catchers, six catchers or seven catchers to hit more than 300 home runs. Can you repeat the options? Uh Two, three, four, six, and seven. Two, four. If you just want to throw random ass numbers out there, go for it, but there's not going to be right. As I'm going through, I'm going to say four. Um, I can think of. I'm going to say four as well. I'm going to say four as well because I can only think of four. Well, you should have thought a little harder because there were seven. The seven seven catchers that hit over 300 home runs are. Oh, three. Mike Piazza. Okay. Mike Piazza, which is a pretty obvious one. Yeah. Johnny Bench is second yeah. with 389. Carlton Fisk got 376. Yogi, 358. And then like Gary. Yeah, no, I, yo, Yogi had that pop for a little guy. Uh, Gary Carter and Lance Parrish had 324. Mm. And your boy Pudge had 311. You can disrespect yeah. your boy Pudge on national. No, Pudge, 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 was, Pudge was the one that I yeah. thought about. I Pudge had Pudge Piazza. Um, and then Yogi and um, I didn't have Parrish. And I forget what was Carter. the other fourth one. What was Carter, the other one? Fisk. Carter Fisk. Oh, yeah. Carter. Carter. Carter was the one that I thought about. Yeah. It was Carter, Yogi, Piazza, and uh, Pudge for me. I did not get Parrish and I didn't think of Fisk. Met fans are not enjoying your, your, your Gary Carter disrespect in recent episodes. I feel I like mean, we've come at Gary for for. Or too I'm gonna keep. Com- I'm gonna keep coming at Gary. I'm gonna keep coming at Gary. It is what it is. Puerto Rico dominates the catching world. Meth fans go at themselves too, so we're just including the group now. I mean, Meth fans are a special type of human. Like, let's just let's, just, let's, just, let's be honest. All right, so let's let's get to some news before we get to our rankings. I know we're never gonna get to these rankings, but some pretty important shit happened, especially if you live in Baltimore and Oriole fans. So first things first, the Orioles got sold. Uh, they get sold to two billionaires who apparently really want to win a World Series. Shocker on Shock Street on that one. Uh, some important details to come out of that is even though they have sold the team, there's still going to be some power dynamics at play as far as who's going to be making decisions, who's going to owner meetings and all that stuff. But either way, man, Baltimore tr- selling their team. That, like literally maybe 24 a- hours afterwards, they trade Basically, a Snickers bar and a payday for Kerbin Burns, who is now the ace of the Baltimore Orioles, the, the AL East winner last year. So, Rob, man, I'll go to you first because this one affects this affects you and I more, more than anybody. But news out of Baltimore, how, how's it got you feeling? 
Oh, it has me feeling absolutely terrible. Um, again, I always, I always have to come on here and give, you know, two sides of the perspective, right? So from the perspective of a, of a baseball fan, you know, in general, if I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan, this, this is a move that was highly needed. I said earlier in the day on the day that they acquired, you know, Corbin Burns, the Baltimore Orioles, um, I have no doubt in terms of them having one of the best potential, um, you know, best uh, trios in terms of offense in the future in the MLB. But the question is pitching their, their rotation for, for whatever people want to think of, uh, you know, Kyle Bradish and the potential of Grayson Rodriguez, you need a legitimate number one. And we talked about it before, right? Like you had John means coming back from injury. You had the acquisition of Jack Flaherty last season. Those aren't number one guys. What what we mean is a is a guy who has Cy Young potential at this point in their career, um, and they did that with the 2021, uh, you know, Cy, NL Cy Young Award winner. Um, it, it's it's a great acquisition by them. It's a guy who is immediately in the conversation for AL Cy Young now. I, I said it earlier in our, you know, when I was talking to, to Daniel, um, like that the the the. the the fight in the AL is essentially Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns in the AL East for, for Cy Young. Those have to be the two favorites in the AL to start off the year. Um, and it's going to be an impressive matchup because it, it's essentially going to be a, not only a fight for the Cy Young, but a fight for the AL East between the Yankees and, and the Orioles. It, it pisses me off from the other side of the perspective because, again, looking what the Orioles had to give up to acquire Corbin Burns, it's definitely less than what a lot of people expected it was going to take to acquire. Um, I don't even think I don't like. I don't even think it's fair enough for Cor to Corbin Burns to say like former Cy Young Award winner to acquire one of the best pitchers in the game still. Like it's not, it's like Corbin Burns is probably like, I'm not going to say for sure, but I would say off the top of my head, top five, top seven currently like considered in the league. I said before, you're probably looking at Corbin Burns through the trade market behind, you know, uh, the acquisition of Yoshinobu Yamamoto as the most important pitching acquisition of the offseason. And Baltimore just got it done. And it goes hand in hand with their sale, right? Like, it's great to have an owner that immediately comes in and makes a move like this because it shows the fan base that they're interested in building a winner. And again, Baltimore's questions don't come on the offensive side. They're going to polish up here and there. They're going to they're gonna make the acquisitions that they have to make, but they already have three potential high-level prospects that are could potentially lock down positions for them for the next decade. And now they just acquired one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, the Baltimore Orioles are in a very dangerous position. They're they're potentially the most dangerous. Not you know take potentially out of there. They are the most dangerous version of the Baltimore Orioles that I have seen, and I haven't even seen the version of this team play. It's all on paper. Like I know it's all on paper, but even looking back at those you know earlier Orioles teams with Manny Machado and everything like that, nah man, what this team could potentially accomplish moving forward is scary as a Yankee fan. And I just hope that we can make moves in the future to kind of retaliate some of the stuff that the O's are getting ready to do. Before, look, I, with the Orioles, right? I, I would say this, I think it always happens. It's okay, you have the momentum, but this game doesn't wait for anybody, right? Like how long did we wait for the Blue Jays to be World Series contenders, and it never really happened. And I, I, I don't think they're in their window anymore, really. Um, so if you're the if you're the Orioles, you got to make sure that you get to that point where it's like, oh look, this is no longer about potential. This is now, right? Last year they they won 101 games or whatever it was. This year they go in there with a better team. 
you have the best prospect in a long time coming up in Jackson Holiday. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but this is your window right here. Uh, regardless of what happens with Corbin Burns, whether he, he signs, because he's here for one year, right? But whether he resigns or whether they, they extend him, you know, you're looking at right now the way to think about Baltimore. They're in their window, right? I don't like. I don't think the Blue Jays are that anymore. Yankees are the Yankees. They're, they're someone that's always going to be in the conversation. But for the Orioles specifically, look, and, and just because they have new ownership doesn't mean that, like, they're going to operate as like, one of the best teams in the major leagues. That, that's just to be seen, right? There's better odds of it, right? Now we have someone that might potentially spend money. But either way, great move for the Orioles. I think they, they sense that urgency. And with the move they made, it doesn't stop them from trading for, for any other pitcher. Really, they gave up nothing. It, it's actually kind of a joke that that was what was what ultimately got Kevin Bridge. You have to think that somebody else would have offered something better. Maybe the Brewers are really hyped on these guys, but I just don't see it. But Nick, I'll kick it over to you, dude. You know, what does this mean for the Orioles? How how they looking right now? These guys are scary as fuck right now. I mean, I obviously it's a wait and see, but if I was an Orioles fan, to me this puts my organization in the same category as the Astros and the Braves. And here's why, very specifically why. Their main guy at the top of the organization for their farm system change and getting all this talent in there and developing it and making all those moves was the guy they pulled from the Astros. And my bad for not having that name ready. But the Astros, this is what the Astros were in the early 2010s going into the second half. And what are they now? They're a dynasty. And as soon as this guy went from Houston to Baltimore, Baltimore starts getting all this young talent. They're drafting right. As far as we can see, they're developing right. I mean, these guys are coming up and they're not really missing a beat, a la somebody we're going to talk about on this episode, Gunnar Henderson. And we're not even, Gunnar Henderson isn't even top three of their prospects. We're talking so many other guys that are coming up and doing things. And when you look at their rotation, filling out behind Corbin Burns with Kyle Bradish, he's a guy that came up last year, struggling the first part, and then all of a sudden was really putting up Cy Young-type numbers, not Garrett Cole numbers. That was a different year last year. But second half of last year, Bradish was putting up Cy Young-type numbers. Um, you still have John Means coming back from injury, who is also a Baltimore guy. Tyler Wells, who led the league in whip last year. I mean, this pitching staff went from their biggest weakness to this could be the best pitching staff one through six in the majors this year. But you have the guys in the front office that are putting together the players and developing them the way you should. And my gosh, do they have a bunch of guys that they could sign all at the same time and really have I mean you could do a lot of 10-year contracts right here and yes you're going to blow your budget out of the water right now but in four five six years the value that you're going to have on these guys like a holiday like a Henderson like a Bradish you know even a Cedric Mullins who's kind of at the end of maybe his top window but still a guy you probably want on your team to be there for a while there's just all over the field they could literally fill their entire staff with guys you have locked up for 10 years like the Braves did, and have crazy value and just be in the running year after year. And the biggest part is coming in with David Rubenstein. He's from Baltimore. He's a lifelong Orioles fan. He's got $3.75 billion in his own pocket. And that doesn't even count Michael. I'm not going to pronounce your last name right, so I'm not going to try it. That doesn't even count his billions of dollars. So you just, what we've seen in New York with the Mets, with Cohen, we have that maybe version 2.0 only starting off with a better roster going into it. Um, the sky's the limit for the Orioles right now. At the same time, maybe this guy doesn't know shit. Maybe he tries to do a whole bunch of different things as a fan that doesn't work instead of letting what's there happen and just fund it like the Angelos didn't. But if I'm an Orioles fan, I'm, I mean, I'm almost saying I don't give a fuck what you guys just did over there in L.A. 
I've got a better team all the way around right now. And I now have an owner that might just lock all these guys up and add to it. And by the way, to your point, Daniel, that trade as as highly regarded as these two prospects are in D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz, these are major league ready bodies. Now, I'm not saying they're all-star ready, but they're major league ready bodies. Both first round, or sorry, D.L. Hall was a first round pick back in 2017. Joey Ortiz was a fourth round pick, but he put up some massive numbers last year in AAA, hitting 331, 378 with an 885 OPS. And he's got power speed combo that plays immediately in a lot of major league rosters, especially the Brewers. But nobody knew about these guys from a prospect standpoint in Baltimore, meaning they didn't give up anything that they need to go out there further. So a Dylan C's trade, absolutely possible. And with the, with the prospects that the Orioles have, you might even be talking about a Lou Bob in there as well. Like he might be going over and he has a place to play in center field in Baltimore. And you could give back Cedric Mullins an all-star and not blink an eye the the sky's the limit right now it's almost as if the orioles have all of all of the checkers pieces and the other team has their one last piece and all of baltimore is all kings already so it's it's an amazing move i really hope the new owner even though he's only got 40 percent control until uh peter angelo dies but he's 94 and bad health not wishing any death on anybody but i mean he's got 40 percent control and Day number one, he goes and gets Corbin Burns. Because I know it's not the Angelos who went to get Corbin Burns. So as much as his 40% on paper is there, this guy clearly has some sort of say in the game already because 24 hours later, he goes out and gets the best pitcher available, whether it's free agency or trade. Like Corbin Burns, hands down to Rob's point, there's very few pitchers that you talk about as a potential best in the league, and he is in that conversation. That goes a long way. The sell and then this move shows me, in my opinion, that Orioles are going to be tough to beat this year and years going forward because they have literally the perfect storm to just start a dynasty, even though they haven't won a single playoff game in decades. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. It's definitely a good move. Uh, I, there should be little doubt that they're the best team going into 2024 in the A, at least in my opinion. Uh, they're, they're a very complete team when you look at what they have and, and right now on their roster. It's going to be tough. They're going to be a tough team to, to beat for anybody. But let's let's move on to our third baseman. And this year this year's a little bit different than, than years past, where some of the cornerstone names that we have in the top five usually, they're moved, moved around a little bit. Some new guys kind of entered the territory. But let's start with 10 through 6. At number 10, free agent Matt Chapman. Had an amazing month of May and then then fell off very, very roughly. Like it was, whew, like we're talking about losing tens of millions of dollars as months went by. That's literally what this guy did uh, in Matt Chapman. Number nine, Max Muncy. Uh, he's the name that's usually forgotten when we talk about the Dodgers right now. But let's be honest, when you have Shohei, Mookie, Freeman, Max Muncy might be like the fifth guy you're talking about on that roster, but he makes it into our top 10 third baseman, just showing how strong that uh, Dodgers lineup is. And number eight, Josh Young. I, I take full credit for having him in the top 10. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If someone out here didn't like him, I'm not going to mention any names or anything like that. But, but Josh Young comes in at number eight. Alex Bregman at number seven. I threw up in my mouth a little bit, um, but he comes in at, at seven, had, had a great year. Resurgent year, I would say, uh, for the Astros. And at number six, kind of surprising to me, especially with 
who we have here. We're, we're all big fans of this guy. Nolan Arenado from the St. Louis Cardinals comes in at number six. Had a really down year after having an MVP-type season the year before. So that kind of shows in our rankings. But, guys, 10 through 6, uh, we, we had a little beef between between Nick and I as certain names who didn't get the top 10. So, Nick, I'll let, I'll let you start about 10 through 6. I don't know if anybody else noticed the name that's missing um, from my former favorite team. He's not in the top five, spoiler alert, but how the fuck do you not have Cabrian Hayes anywhere in your top 10? How do you how do you rank him so low, so low, that the other two candidates to put him up there have him in their top eight, and he misses the top 10? That's that's pure haterade. If I could, if I could have him lower, I would have. Lower than not in your top 14? If, if, I, could, if I could have just... Man, I, this is gonna sound like a Brian Hayes hate. It's not. I just because it is. I, it's not. I, I just I replaced the one with a T, and that's what it's. Brian Hayes. We get he it. He said it's gonna sound like. Just say it is, bro. Just it say is. it is. What do you mean? It's it gonna is. sound I, like. I have no issues with Brian Hayes. <laughs> you I, know I, all I just, the issues with Brian Hayes. I have none. He's a very like. I hope his game game keeps getting better. There's nothing out of Pittsburgh that stresses me. Trust me. Like, I hope he keeps getting better. Honestly. That's all so anyway, we'll, we'll move on for now. No, we won't. What the fuck? It, Brian Hayes is not in Daniel's top 15, apparently. My, maybe not even top 20. But anyway, so yeah, that's my hate. The best defensive third baseman in the world overtook Matt Chapman and Nolan Arenado and Manny Machado and is not close. But anyway, we don't, we don't want good defense at our hot corner when he's one of the most important defensive positions on the field. So going into the list that we have, uh, you know, man, I'm sorry, Nolan. I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. My son's named Nolan. I'm wearing Rocky stuff right now. I've got four of your jerseys. Uh, my bad. You're, you're just not up there anymore. And my big fear with Nolan Arenado is that he's been bouncing back and forth so much that is he just finally on that decline? And another thing that as we were talking off air, Daniel said, hey, man, good thing he bought, he bought into that player option and go ahead and stuck in St. Louis. Maybe there was a reason for that. Maybe he doesn't think he can play at his former level and get that next big contract. Maybe he just want to stay in St. Louis because it's a badass place to play baseball. Could be, but there's a lot there that I need to see it for to put him back in my top five. His defense went down again. He just wasn't getting to some baseballs that he was before. There for sure was not as many Nolan Arenado defensive highlights this last year as there ever have been. So there is a decline there. Could he come back and be a top three third baseman? Yeah, absolutely. He's got the potential, but it's been too off and on for me to keep him up there right now. Um, I'm, I'm the Bregman lover. I mean, I had him at three. When you have a guy that's just played really, really well for seven, eight years, and he's always in that conversation to be in the top five, there's got to be something to the consistency there. And he just, he's every bit of, the, bit of the player that I like. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's actually one of the few players that walks more than he strikes out. He hits for power. He knows his field and plays to it well to get his power. He plays a solid defensive third base, helps out his shortstop as often as possible. Smart base runner. He's a winner. And he's out there keeping his mouth shut. Like, he's just he just goes out there and plays. So I'm a big Bregman fan. I had him at three. And I was the guy that was hating on Josh Young. Look, Texas had an amazingly magical season last year. So excuse me if I don't put their third baseman who played half the year in my top ten. I guess, I guess hate on me all you want. Josh Young, prove me wrong. Go out there and not have a magical season like literally everybody else on your team did. Let's have a regular-ass season and see where you're at. Maybe you are top 10, but for me right now, you're number 12. And then Max Muncy, look, he just gets missed because there's literally, like Daniel said, 17 other players you'll name on the Dodgers over him. But he still had a, you know, a great year last year, 579 plate appearances. His batting average sucks, as it always does, at 212, but a 118 WRC+. Plus. And look, 
I was hating on Will Smith for his lack of counting stats in that lineup. And Max Muncy hits lower than him, has better counting stats. 36 home runs, 95 runs, 105 RBIs. I can't hate on that. He's got to be in my top 10 with those kind of numbers because he's the guy that's maximizing what he's doing in that lineup, whereas you have other guys who are not playing up to their potentials. And then Matt Chapman, look, I can't do a list without having Matt Chapman in my top 10. Yes, I can. I had him at 12, so I had him down here pretty low. Look, kind of same thing with Arenado. It's just I don't know what's in there anymore, and his defense is sliding as well, not quite as much as Arenado's. But I don't know. I, I clearly want 11 other third basemen on my team over Matt Chapman, and I think that's right. He's just he's living off of his defensive name before in the past, and that's going down. His offense had the one great month. His his number for his contract at if it was if we ended in April May last year started with a two, like he was in the two hundred million dollar range with that month if that had gone the whole season, so his front number changed from a two to a one and yes probably lost fifty million dollars in the process, at um, least. so yeah I mean at least twenty five dollars I'm, I'm not overly mad at this list because I think the guys who should be there outside of Brian Hayes I think the guys who should be here are here in maybe a different order. But it hurts my heart and soul to know that Cabrian Hayes is not in our top ten list. I think I think Cabrian's gonna be fine. I think he does not care. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> look, there's a lot of difference of opinions here. I personally think Alex Bregman's at his point in his career where he benefits from being the fifth best person in that lineup. Like, it, it, you know, is he? Is, it, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like like the names. Altuve more important than Bregman in that lineup? Yeah, no, I'd say yeah. Alvarez definitely. Um, Tucker, Tucker's more important. Um, I mean, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm off that Alex Bregman love. But Rob, I'll kick it over to you, man. Uh, what was your thought on top five? I'm the the top ten, the, six, the bottom, whatever you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, look, it it ended up being a. It, it wasn't my five necessarily, but it, it wasn't far too off either. Uh, I think for me, for me, like Alex, Alex Bregman is like the most like standard one. Um, I had him at number seven for me personally. So him being, um, he ended up being number seven in, in our overall list. So like, that's fine with me. Um, I think that's where he is. He kind of is the cutoff for me personally currently um, in that separation of, of third baseman, like where I knew for sure, like, yeah, do I consider Alex Bregman a top 10 third baseman? Yeah, I'm not questioning that personally for me. Um, and then everyone else that I had kind of behind him, like I was just thinking of their positioning. Um, you know, looking at the rest of the group, I think M Muncie and Chapman are, are both interesting just because I think they do different things. Chapman dropped down from my list just because um, he was one of the worst producers at the position offensively last year, even with his hot start. Um, and I don't think that his defense makes up for that drop in, in offensive production as much as it used to. He's still a great defender. Um, but the separation between like the elite at the position and like the great at the position and even the good at the position in terms of defense is, is getting a, a, a little wild. Um, so for Chapman, for me was kind of like teetering back and forth, 10, 11, he ended up dropping off for me. Um, and still like he, look, he's a free agent currently. That man should be signed to a team already. We've talked about it before. There's a lot of teams that in, in terms of what his contract is expected to be to, like, I don't expect it to be anything crazy. Again, if you can if you can get Matt Chapman 
for under $100 million at a four or five year deal, you should probably do that. There's a lot of teams that could benefit from having him at third base, looking at the San Francisco Giants, looking at the Chicago Cubs. Like there's a lot of teams that have the money to do it too, where it wouldn't impact them that much. So him being a free agent um, currently is still kind of wild to me. Um, but yeah, him at 10 is solid. Max Muncie is just, um, it's tough to say, man. Like there, there's nothing that Max Muncie does that jumps off the page to me, right? Like he's, he's still going to strike out at a high rate. You know what you're going to get from him in terms of like home run and RBI numbers for sure. But he also gets his home run and RBI numbers because look at the lineup that he's a part of. Like that's a, that's a good contribution to, to his, in, to his on base, like his base numbers. When you look at his advanced stats, they haven't been nearly as as good as they were, you know, a few years back from him. When you look at his advanced stats compared to the third base crop of players, it's it's not that good. Um, he was outside the top ten for me um, personally, just because there's a lot of names that I that I would prefer to have there um, than him. And then you know, for me, Nolan Arenado, he was four for me personally. I don't I know that he had a down year, and there's a, there's a bunch of guys that you can say had a better offensive season than Nolan Arenado. But I don't think that it was a situation where a lot of guys had their normal years. We saw a lot of drops from a lot of the names at third base, the top five that we're going to dive into. A lot of them had down years. Again, Nolan wasn't my personal top five, just because I think he's, he, I don't want to, I don't want to make this seem as like a, like a legacy award or anything like that. But the reality is when you have a situation where you, where players have down years like this, right, and there isn't any clear separation at the position, yeah, I'm going to rely on the guys that I know for sure I would rather take at the position. There, There's not too many names that I'm for sure taking as my starting third baseman currently over Nolan Arenado. I don't care about the year that he had last season. If he goes out there this year and does that again, then yeah, we're going to have a serious conversation about like, yeah, Nolan Arenado, like it's probably at that point of his career where, where it's come down, right? Like it, it's, it sucks that it's going to have to get to that point for, for what's been a, a great, fantastic career. But when, I don't think we're at that point yet, right? Like I think Nolan Arenado has to, has to show me the same way. Like he has to show, you know, uh, a good substantial sample size of years at high level production for us to consider him great. I want him to show me a, a substantial sample size of him you know, with down numbers that I can point to and be like, wow, like, yeah, he's not going to be the same guy anymore. I think doing that one season is definitely something we can point at, but not like a super strong thing that I'm looking at to make him drop all the way down to to six personally, like him, him at six for me is, is I, I don't think he's the sixth best third baseman um, in the game. And then like, like Nick said, right, like Cabrian Hayes. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Cabrian Hayes is, is going to mind like where he is on our list or anything like that. I just think that it when you look at the crop of third baseman, for what Cabrian Hayes does on defense, um, it, it has to be considered at, at the position. That that's just my that's just my opinion. I think the separation is is getting too too big. And I think, look, I'm not gonna say Cabrian Hayes is the best offensive player because he's definitely not. Um, but the but the guy had about an off like a 100 point increase in OPS from the previous season. Um, you know, 762 OPS, nothing to point at and be like, oh my God, that's anything crazy, right? But it's it, it, the numbers just, oof, it's, it's stressing me out, right? Because it's like, if he had an eight, let's say he had like an 820 OPS, we would have to sit here today talking about Cabrian Hayes as like a top five third baseman. Like, like that's just the reality. If his OPS was, was 50 points higher, like, and that's not something like easy to do, but if his OPS hits that fit, then 
you know, it's like not even a question whether he's in the top 10. It's like, where, where do we rank him in the top five? Because his defense is just that elite. So for him not to be in the top 10, like, like I agree, I think he should be. But again, I think him missing the cut is not anything that's, you know, going to get anyone out here crying over the, over the top 10 list. Two numbers real quick on, on Brian Hayes. Number one, he had a 101 WRC plus. So he's technically above average offensive third baseman in that, in that metric. Number two, he had double the, more than double the defensive war of Manny Machado, who was number three in defensive war last year. The only guy coming closest guy is uh, Mikel Garcia from the Royals. And he's on the Royals, so nobody knows who he is or what team he plays for, what position. He's twice as good a defender right now than Manny Machado, who is absolutely, in everybody's eyes, a great defender. That's how good he is with the glove at third base. Manny Machado is also a legitimate MVP threat, though. Like, that's, there's like a... So I can make the argument, bit. so is Cabrian Hayes, and he's not in your top 14. No shot. No, no. Hey. There's no world where Cabrian Hayes ever wins an MVP. Yeah, defensive world. Um, yeah, absolutely. In a defensive. What <laughs> uh, the Looney Tunes. Look, there, there's a few third basemen that, that were not in our top 10 that you can make an argument could have been in there. Isaac Paredes is someone we talked about. Had a great year last year. But here's the thing with Isaac Paredes, though. Last year was his only sample size. and if you look at the advanced metrics, advanced metrics weren't great on him. Uh, left a lot to be desired. He's also one of those guys where, to me, it seems Tampa Bay puts their magic fairy dust on them for, for a little bit. And then he'll kind of go back to being someone you don't talk about. Uh, Jaime Candelario, which was a big name free agent this year, uh, he didn't end up in anybody's top 10, I believe. Or Nick, was he in your top 10? No, he was 13 for me. Rob, did you have him? I felt like one of us had him. Not yeah, right, well, he was out. He was out my top ten. Yeah. So I mean, there we go. And I think the the one guy that I had that wasn't talked about was Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis. There's had a reason we didn't talk about him. No, he's another guy who had a super small sample size, right? Super small sample size. Um, really, a lot like Jeremy Pena. He came on during the playoffs and he came on towards that run, and it was a ridiculous run, right? It was probably some of the best offensive uh, play we've seen in that. Um, like postseason atmosphere uh, from a young guy a long time, but he has, he's he's a guy got to stay got to stay on the field. He's injured way too much for a dude that's like twenty five, not even twenty five. He's like twenty four, twenty five. Uh, but let's kick it to our top five. Which our top five? I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy. I think I think it's reasonable. I think it's one of those things where it just depends where you like guys. But at number five was Rafael Devers, Boston Red Sox, pretty much their only piece of offense on that team right now. Uh, Gunnar Henderson came in at number four. Last year's Rookie of the Year. Manny Machado at three. Manny Machado, who's just as good as Cabrian Hayes, apparently. Uh, Austin, Austin Riley of, of the Atlanta Braves at two. And J-Ram, Jose Ramirez gets number one for the Guardians. I, I, I like it. I like it. I, I was the highest on Gunnar Henderson. Henderson was my number two. Lineup he's in is ridiculous. Plus, he's really young. His defensive metrics were pretty good. Uh, you know I love Manny. I'm a big Manny Machado fan. But, uh, Rob, I'll give it over to you, man. Top five, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this was a good group to end up with. Um, I think Raphael Devers is definitely the guy that, that's lower um, of the group just because, again, like, we, we have to point at, at defense. Um, I, I have to point at defense. Raphael Devers is probably one of the weakest defenders. In terms of, in terms of elite players with the bat, he's, he's, the, he's the worst defender at the position in terms of, of guys who have put up the offensive stats to be considered stars in the game. Um, 
that's not, you know, that's not even questionable. So, but his offense is so good that he still remains in these types of conversations. Gunnar Henderson is probably the toughest player to rank. I don't, th- I, I wouldn't consider him as high as, as four. Um, you know, personally, I, I'd have him a little lower just because I, I want to see him do it for a little longer. I don't think that Gunnar Henderson is as good of a prospect as a Jackson Holiday or an Adley Rushman for me to be as confident in him to, to um, you know, hold his place at third base. That's not to say that he's not going to remain like a top 10 type of guy, right? But I think third base is also the position where there's going to be more talent coming. And, and a lot of the names that are there still have some significant time, you know, in that top ranking at the position where I don't think Gunnar Henderson necessarily has a lock at being top five. Um, you know, I think that this coming year, he he's going to put up numbers that definitely expand his conversation, but he's definitely a guy that I want to see a little bit more of. Um, and then when you get into the top three, um, it was essentially my top three. Um, I think that the top three is the way that it is because Manny Machado was essentially an MVP last year, um, you know, without winning the award in any other year that, that Paul Goldschmidt doesn't have the year that he has. Manny probably wins um, his first MVP. And the guy is, is the second best defender at the position while being in what many consider a down year, um, you know, still putting up just solid offensive stats all around. So him dropping down to three, I don't think there's, if you still ask me like, who do I want at third base overall in the game of baseball? My number one answer would probably be Manny Machado, just based on, on you know, my, my preference for him as, as a player combined with the type of stats that he's putting up. Um, that's just my little bit of bias towards him. Like I, I would still take him as my num- as my number one third baseman, but in for the reason of rankings, he's number three. And then Riley and, and J Ram for me were were honestly a little bit interchangeable. Um, I gave the number two spot to to Riley just because I think J Ram does a little bit more overall. I think J Ram has been a lot more consistent. He's probably been the most consistent third baseman out of the elite third baseman if you look at the last three, four, five years of, of baseball played. J-Ram, you know what you're getting from him year in and year out. He's a guy who can give you some power numbers. He can give you high RBI numbers. He can give you high OPS numbers. He can steal 30 bases for you when he needs to steal 30 bases. He's going to be one of the highest WRC plus guys in the league. He's going to give you a five, six, you know, on on his better year, seven, eight war. Like he's he's just a very consistent player overall. Um, J Ram is is always a, a good choice to go with at uh at third base. I think he was our or no, I think he ended up being our number two third baseman last season. I don't I don't remember what we ended up having it him was, last year. It was some I think he's number three after because um Machado and Arenado, I think. Arenado. Okay, then yeah, there. then yeah. yeah. So we had him three, and I think he's a guy who uh, the last couple rankings that we've done is is always in that top three conversation. Um no different this year. So getting the number one spot. I think it also plays in hand with like what I mentioned, the third base, you know, group as a, as an overall crop, uh, a lot of players didn't have the years that were expected to them that were expected of them on the offensive end. So it, it's going to be a wait and see year for a lot of these guys too. I want to see how different the third base conversation ends up being next year, because I, I think that a lot of these guys are going to be in this same conversation again. I just think we're going to be in a situation where this ranking is going to be, is going to be looking a whole lot different again. Yeah, look, I think the biggest difference based off just like year to year was the down season for Machado and Arenado affected our rankings a lot. I, I think the fact that they both had down seasons to the plus the fact that they're old, getting older, right? They're in their 30s officially. 
you you never really know, right? Some players can play into their mid thirties, late thirties, and still be above average. Some guys just fall off cliffs, and I I think that's what we're worried about, right? Like, look, Machado's season last year, yeah, the entire Padres had a down season, but look, San Diego's not notoriously a great place to play if you're if you're if you're a hitter. For for Arenado, it kind of came out of nowhere. That's the, the entire team also had a down year, but. Look, he played at Colorado. He played great. Like he put his body on the line for ten years. This is this is probably as banged up as third baseman as we've probably seen, just because of how hard he plays. So for those guys, I think there's there's serious kind of just how much longer can they do it at an elite level? Can they come back and and, and get to that position where we're thinking of them as the top three third base? Where J Ram, he's just consistent as hell. We really we really can't say anything other than that. He's just the best player on his team. Consistently showing it, uh, but Nick, I'll kick it over to you, dude. Top five. What are, what are your thoughts? I'm absolutely good with this top five. I mean, Bregman was the one that I would have had in there outside of you know maybe some of the other guys, but I I can't hate this top five at all. Uh, going you know bottom top for Devers, it he's all offense as we know. He's got the third worst defensive WAR out of qualified third baseman, and when I say qualified, I'm only talking 350 plate appearances at third, so it's not even truly qualified. It's just, did you have enough time over there to consider yourself a third baseman? And he's the third worst. The only two guys worse than him in the league are Jake Berger and Alec Bohm for defensive war. So just, just, with, just with Devers, I just want to say, look, like 2022, he had a good defensive season where a lot of people in the Red Sox organization thought he was turning it around with his glove. He, he was actually positive, right? Um, last year, though, he went back to those bad habits where he looked terrible. So, you know, I think that's why with Devers, it's so disappointing because he was going the right trajectory. And then last year, just kind of definitely didn't. Oh, he definitely saw it, man. My bad. Just, just wanted to mention that in there for Devers. No, you're good. And, and that's a good point because there was that positive. But didn't he sign his big contract last offseason, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely did. Yeah, he, so, he, I mean, he got big money. Don't get me wrong. Devers is a top three third baseman, potentially. Like, he's even in the argument for number one with how good his stick can be and where his glove could be. But that's why he's at five, because they're both big coulds. Also, he had a huge, I mean, just a wildly slow start, if I'm not mistaken. The first two months of the season last year were not Rafael Devers' offense. And then he showed what he can do in the second, you know, second half of the season and brought it back around. So there's just the inconsistency. A lot of that could have been you know, the contract thing, maybe he's trying to play to it right away. Um, that's why he went into hold habits. You go to what you're comfortable with when you feel like you have more pressure. So there's a whole number of things it could be. But based off last year, I absolutely agree. I mean, I had Devers at six personally. So I had five guys above him. Um, so I'm not I'm not mad at the five, though, because he. when you think about the third base in general, if you don't say Devers in your top five and you're being serious, then, you know, you could be looked at weird. So. Uh, with Gunner at number four, hey, I'm all for it. I had him at number five. I'm not typically a guy who gets on young talent and says, yeah, this is the man. This is the guy to do it. But what impressed me about last year is, you know, he came up and he struggled the first part of the season. And then he got, I believe he got sent down for a couple weeks, came back, and now he's an all-star. I mean, every number you look at for Gunner, whether it's counting stats or ratios or, you know, savant type numbers where you're looking at the advanced metrics, he's a top 10 third baseman in literally everything. Uh, defensive war, he's number 13, but that's, I'll deal with that. He's still in the top half of third baseman for defense. I'm good with that. Uh, but he was number three in war without even a full season in the bigs. Number six in OPS, which is my favorite offensive stat. 
Um, and then as far as WRC plus, he was number five, right in between Raphael Devers and J Ram. So when you're putting yourself in, I mean, kind of any category you want, you're putting yourself in the top five, top 10 of every single number. You've got to be a top five third baseman overall. He's number two for base running only behind Jose Ramirez. And we all marvel at Jose Ramirez's ability to run bases, not just steal them, but going first to third, going second to home, getting the extra base each time. Gunnar Henderson's right there and he's super young and it looks like he really wants to get better every single year. So I'm happy with him at four. Uh, Machado, I personally had at four and he's number three. I'm going to say this about Machado. He's living off of his name and his history as of recent years. Um, he's looks like he's changing, kind of being more of a team leader than maybe he was in the past. So maybe there's some game change in there and he's focusing on other things to get the team to win rather than his own personal accomplishments. But that could be just a scary. San Diego is a clusterfuck. I mean, that whole organization, you almost want to ask, what the fuck are you doing? Because they don't know what they're doing. They're taking loans out to pay their players. Like, that can't be a good feeling for a guy like Machado. Could he break out and be, not break out, but could he kind of come back to normal and be the number one third baseman in the game? Yes, the talent is there. He could absolutely go past J-Ram. He could absolutely go past Austin Riley and stay ahead of the other guys. Do I see that happening? I don't. And I, I, I place him at four because I think that's probably where he's going to end up at the end of the year. Overall, is kind of the fourth best third baseman. Then Austin Riley and J-Ram, look, this is, this is a 1A, 1B, in my opinion. Austin Riley, there is nothing in his game that's bad. You don't look at anything and think it's a liability. Even the base run, he doesn't hurt you on the basis. He's just not Jose Ramirez. And that's why I have Jose Ramirez at number one. I think he can be the number one third baseman in every single category, whether it be home runs, stolen bases, batting average, OPS, defensive war, base running. He's the only third baseman that's playing right now where I can see him as being the best in any single category in the game. And it wouldn't surprise me. So he's got to be number one for me. And if I'm going to pick a third baseman, that's the guy I'm going to have on my team, number one out of everybody. So the list to me is really, really good. I have no problems with any of it. Every single player here has their good reasons for being where they're at. There's no surprises to me. I, I want to talk about Gunnar Henderson real quick because I, I had him the highest. I had him at my number two behind Jose Ramirez. With Gunnar Henderson, the big thing that I want to touch upon that Nick said was he got better throughout the year where he did struggle. There was an adjustment period. But once he adjusted, he got to a point where he was hitting at a superstar level and he just kept getting better and better and better at that, um, where it's the, the exact opposite of one of our favorite topics uh, at Shortstop in New York. But w- with Gunnar Sanderson, look, he's, he's young. The body shows a guy who's going to hit for pop, right? He's a guy that can easily, in my opinion, in his career, have 40 home run seasons. He's going to be, he's not even going to be the most important part of that team. When you think about Adley, he's your captain. He's your team captain. Adley, Adley Rushman, he's the guy that the team's going to look to for guidance. And then from excitement, you're looking at Jackson Holiday. So Gunnar Henderson's going to pretty much be hidden in this lineup based on the guys around them. And all he, can, all he has to do is produce. He's good defensively, great on the base path. So he, like, like Nick mentioned, he, he had one of the best metrics as far as base running goes. And I understand if you don't want to put him as early as next year in front of some of the big-name guys like Machado and Arnado and even Rafael Devers. But I think this guy is going to make himself one of the guys we talk about every year as as the best third baseman in the league. But, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not mad at this list, dude. Like, 
to be honest with you, we, we talked about it coming into it where there wasn't a lot of guys who separated themselves, especially after we got to like Arenado, right? Yeah, after after we got to Bregman, I would say we had seven guys that were legit, hey, they're gonna be in top ten. And then from eight through probably fifteen, it was just what arguments did you want to make for those guys? So Brian Hayes, look, best defensive player in third base at, at third base. That there's definitely something to be said for that, right? If his offense gets a little bit better, that changes a lot of what we look at him as. But, you know, some of these other guys, Matt Chapman, I think he was in just because he's done it in the past and we probably have more confidence in him than we do a Heimer Candelario um, or a Ryan McMahon, right? Uh, then there was wild cards like Christopher Morrell who offensively, he had a pretty good season, but he's positionless. He might get traded. So there was, there was a lot to go in here after after number seven, basically. But, you know, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it, man. Anything you guys want to say about the third base position before we get out of here? Uh, I, think, I think the list itself, um, you know, came out being pretty solid. I think they're... I think it was it was interesting to see the order that we ranked a lot of these guys. Um, me personally, I think there there's guys like I I guarantee you, there's no reason Max Muncie should be a top ten third baseman next season. Like that that's just that's just the reality of the position. Like that like I, I I'm sorry, Cabrian Hayes like go out there and hit three thirty and win a batting title so we can finally rank you tenth at your position because that's what you're gonna have to do be, because. You can't you can't just hit 270 anymore, dog, and you can't post a 770 OPS. Like you have to you have to hit 330. You have to get an 800 something OPS so you can be considered the 10th best guy at your position because that that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Alex Bregman, um, you know, shout out to you. You're the you're the door holder. That that door holder that that Austin Riley was a couple seasons ago. That's where Alex Bregman is right now. Like Alex Bregman, yeah, like you still get to hang out with like you know, the, the cool, the cool boys in the club and everything like that. But like, you're also the guy that they send to get the beers, like when they're ready. Right. Like, it's just like, that's pretty much where it's at. And then everyone else is just like, yeah, everyone else is there. Gunnar Henderson is, uh, Gunnar Henderson is overhyped right now. Daniel's overhyping Gunnar Henderson. That's the reality of the situation. Um, and yeah, third base is cool. Manny Machado will reclaim his spot as the number one third baseman next season. J Ram will be sitting here as number two. Austin Riley will be number three. Nolan Arenado will rebound and be number four. And we're going to have an argument about Gunnar Henderson and Raphael Devers at five. I already gave you all the spoilers for next year's list. There you go. Yo, for it being a year early, that sounds accurate as fuck, to be honest. But uh, no, I mean, <clears throat> I was pleasantly surprised at third base. Like very, we've, we've had episodes in the past, you know, a few years where it's the golden age of shortstop. Oh my God, I can't believe what this looks like. I, I've got 12 guys I'd like to have on my team. We've done that for first base. Low key, that's how the third baseman looked to me right now. I mean, there's 12 guys. I'm more than happy plugging in my third base for whatever different reason. And uh, Brian Hayes is definitely one of those. But I'm, I'm, there's 12 guys I'd be happy with third base and not really worry about that position for the whole year. Uh, we didn't even talk much about Isak Paredes, um, but the one guy we really didn't talk about uh, a whole lot was uh, was Josh Jung. Look, for him, for me, it was just a matter of show me outside of just a magical season. So I want to see a little bit more from him. But third base lineup, is it's deep. It's really, really good. And I think there's a lot of guys on here that could surprise us going next year. Eugenio Suarez didn't get mentioned. 
And that's a guy who's going to be dropping bombs and plays a pretty good third base. You put him in Arizona this year, who knows where he pops up to. So it's, it's a very good position, way more surprisingly good than I thought it was going to be before doing the research on it. Look, I, I think the fact that this is as deep as it is goes to why a guy like Matt Chapman can't get a job, though. Right? Because, you know, if, if we talk about him, is he as good as Jose Ramirez? No, no shot in hell. Right? Is he as bad as, I mean, I don't know, like Ryan McMahon? McMahon? Like, probably not. Right? Ryan McMahon probably, and, and Matt Chapman, like, what was that, Nick? My bad. I, I can hear you. Said you you can't even say his name correctly and he made your list over Brian Hayes. I mean, look, man, look, I, it is it is what it is. Brian Hayes, maybe I did disrespect him a little bit, but I, I don't know, man. Like, but, but you know, it's it, it's why like some of these guys struggle though. If you're not gonna break into the top seven with Alex Bregman, let's say Alex Bregman's our, our seventh guy, it's hard to say you deserve a top end contract because. Alex Bregman doesn't have a top-end contract. He has a pretty, like, affordable contract. And when he goes into free agency next year, you know, who knows what that's going to look like. But if he's closer to Matt Chapman right now, who's unsigned, than he is Manny Machado, who got a 10-year, 300 million, whatever, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. with Yeah, but that, that's, the, that's the problem. And, and that's a just – just because we're talking on the third baseman and, and free agency is going to be coming up, that's the problem too. And that's a, that's why I think – like the conversation of like, oh, like Jay, look at the contract that J Ram signed with the Guardians because like, yeah, he's loyal to the team and everything like that. I absolutely understand that, but he also fucked up the third base market because again, yep. if you're going to if you're going to sit here and I know Manny got the contract that he got from San Diego because San Diego was just tossing money out the window. Like, I'm not, and that's not to say that Manny Machado's not worth not worth his his deal. But they were bidding against themselves, which is stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, and and like yo, the 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 deal that the Guardians gave Jose Ramirez, I forget the exact numbers, but I think it basically came out to 24, 25 uh million AAV a season for like five yeah. for like five years. Yo, Matt Chapman is not in the same universe as Jose Ramirez. So what is he expected to get in free agency? Alex Bregman, when he hits free agency, is not Jose Ramirez. So what is he expected to get? Like then you're gonna be in a situation where those guys, based on the market, are probably gonna be looking to get a better contract than Jose Ramirez when they are not Jose Ramirez. Like, and that it's gonna create a problem. Like, and and not only that, but it just creates like narratives because it, unfortunately we're also in a world where like usually if you're getting paid more, right, people see you as like, oh, this guy has to be the better player, or like this guy is obviously Gotta better because because he, he got more. You know, like it's tough. And to that point, Austin Riley signed 10-year, 212. I mean, he's only $21 million a year, and he's clearly your number two, if not number one. So you're right about the contract that's been passed out. Like, third basemen kind of fuck themselves. They should be filing agreements against themselves. Dude, I mean, look, honestly, Jaime Candelario, I, I think he's a perfect example of we have no idea what's happening at third base market because is he a top 15 third baseman? I think you can argue it either way, right? He's someone that we even, even care about till last year. He was like one of those sneaky guys. Like, oh, he can have a good season. But, I mean, I, I don't know. There's no one here that I'm like. Like Max Muncy, he kind of just keeps on re-signing with the Dodgers. What do you, like, I think he's at 19 mil, 20 million. I, I don't know. So, it's just tough, man. And, and I, I don't think it's going to get any clearer. What, what, like, what would you give? Brian, he's already signed, so that's, that's a bad example. I think that I think look if if we look at it from the perspective of like of like comps 
it may it makes a little bit more sense when you think about the fact that like okay think about like the last major third base contract that was signed right like when when you think of like super third base the eight but but like machado is basically comp to like a rod right like machado was like the most recent guy to put together a season at third base where you're like hey that that's an mvp like level season right a rod coming off his mvp year with the yankees signed 10 for 275 machado signed 10 for 350 with san diego that's kind of like the direct comp you know up top but then j ram again taking that deal with the guardians just created this massive gap in like dog you are here with machado and you, you, again, you can decide to do whatever you want, but you decided to get paid here. That doesn't mean that other players are going to want to get paid at that level, right. you know, even though you're better than them. So now it creates this, this situation where, yeah, teams are probably looking at Chapman like, yo, take $40 million, like, like, and be done with it. You know, it's just like, no, what makes it, what makes it, what makes it worse is the fact that Arenado and Machado had down years last year. Yeah. Now, not only are you saying, oh, look. This this Jose Ramirez contract, you're not as good as him, but also the guys who have been paid more than Jose Ramirez are doing worse than Jose Ramirez. They, they take a step back. Why why do we want to do that with a third baseman when you know not for nothing, Matt Chapman, you're kind of at not a replacement level, but you're closer to replacement level than you're not. I just put it out there, right? Um, and yeah, you have a platinum glove, and and not trying to discredit you as far as that, but if you, I think if you tell most teams, hey, we can upgrade offensively at third base. They'll take the upgrade offensively, which is why Rafael Devers is as high as he is. You know what I mean? For sure. Matt Chapman screwed himself the whole time he was in Toronto because you couldn't really have gone to a better yeah. spot as a hitter before what happened happened. But going into that, man, everybody was looking at Matt Chapman just go bonkers with the bat and keep his glove, and he didn't. And you're right. I mean, can you say Matt Chapman's a replacement level third baseman? No, but when you look at the stats and you just go straight off paper, yeah, you can absolutely say right. that. So why am I going to give you that big contract? But but here, here's the reality. Here's the reality, right? Can we say that Matt Chapman is is a replacement level third baseman? Probably, because Toronto just yeah, yeah. replaced him with Justin Turner. Yeah, like like right, you, right, right. like with Justin they, Turner, they, who, they, who's they not even in our in our top fifteen. Probably, you they know? literally they literally not chose they literally chose the offense over the defense. And I don't even is I mean. Who's their DH? He might, he might, he, isn't he going to be their DH? Bro, Justin Turner, time? Justin Turner hit 23 bombs, 96 RBIs with an 800 sure. OPS last season. Yeah, yeah. Like, still swinging it. Like, it, like it's, it's, it's yeah. a great addition for Toronto, right? Like, they, they made a clear choice. We're not going to, we're not going to bring back Matt Chapman on this deal when we can get a year or two out of, out of Turner at like way cheaper. You can't blame him. Like, we, we mentioned it before when he was in Oakland, he had one really good season. Where he was on fire, and then he kind of just came back down to earth, right? Like because he was, he was that part of that three hundred monster of uh, Sean Murphy and Matt Olson the year that the A's said, "Hey, we're gonna blow this thing up because we're gonna go play at like the Sandlot for the next like year or whatever it was." So I mean, look, I just think it's super interesting because third base, there's no clarity. Um, you know, notable teams that we didn't even talk about third baseman, like the Yankees. <laughs> Yankees don't even have a third baseman on this closest list. Right, so it's it's pretty ugly out there with a lot of these. Yo, Matt Chapman, if you're listening out there, if you're listening out there, Matt Chapman, please, I got you. I mean, three years, fifty-one. Look, I got you. I spoke to Hal this morning. Three years, fifty-one million dollars, seventeen, seventeen a season. Unfortunately, that's where we're at. Come down. Who's your boy from Japan? Huh? Who's your boy from Japan that's coming out next year? The third baseman from Japan. Oh, Murakami. But I don't know. I don't know if he. Well. The last, last I saw why, potentially. Why are we talking about that? <laughs> nah, like, well, Max must mm, replacement. 
I mean, <laughs> maybe possibly potentially. Yeah. Well, it depends. It depends because the, the thing about like the, the interesting thing and, and Murakami, again, just because we're on the third base topic, he's going to be an interesting name because we have to see if he ends up doing going the uh, Yamamoto route, which I think is the, is more likely because I think he's he's coming over at 25. So I think he's he's going to be in the market to cash in big compared to, um, you know, an Otani who when he jumped over or a Sazaki because Sazaki's more than likely going to come next season. And he's going to go the Atani route of, you know, being low paid for a couple seasons and then cashing out the, the way that that Otani did just based off the restrictions. But Murakami is probably probably going to be like a guy who I, I mean, dog, I don't know. I, I'd give Murakami two hundred million dollars, depending depending on how, the season you know, that he's coming off in Japan. The, like when it happens, depending, depending on how some of these guys perform, there's for me, he can get a two fifty million dollar contract. Honestly, yeah. I don't think it's out of the question based off what we saw this offseason. Bro, the crazy yeah, thing is, the crazy thing is, if he would have, if he would have, um, just because of how it's set up in Japan, right? Um, because I, I think I was looking, I, I don't remember the exact numbers that he had this season compared to last. But obviously, he couldn't be posted this last this last season. If he would have gotten posted the, the year, the previous year, where he broke the single season um, um, home run record in Japan, yo, like especially with what was happening with Otani out here. Like yo, they, easily, easily, eyes closed. He would have had multiple two hundred fifty million dollars offers, like for sure. Yeah, nah, man. So you heard it here first. Uh, he's gonna be number one in our list next year. Uh, nah, <laughs> nah, 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 man. But <laughs> I mean, we're, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, what's it called? We will see you guys next time. Outfield episode, always interesting. We're gonna see how how far we can push some of these guys out. Uh, yeah, man. We'll, yeah. we'll catch you guys next time.